At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For over a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. This week, I am talking with Samantha Senavaratna, talented food stylist, star of Everyday Cooking on Magnolia Network, and author of cookbooks like The New Sugar and Spice and The Joys of Baking, with another one on the way. This week's Genius Recipe is Sam's Cocoa Almond Oatmeal, which was one of the first that I squirreled away for the Simply Genius cookbook. And it's the one that I make the most to this day. The elevator pitch for this recipe is a really good one. Quicker, creamier oatmeal with no sticky pot left soaking in the sink. But as Sam and I talk about in this episode, it's really been so much more for me and genuinely life-changing for my family. We'll get into all of that, plus some of Sam's other favorite genius tricks that she has picked up in her incredible food career. But first, here is Sam on one of the moments that fueled her confidence to become a cook in the first place. I have a really clear memory of cooking a lot with my grandmother and her cook in Sri Lanka. In my grandmother's house, they cooked over an open flame. It was like a fire heart, which I just found really magical. And I would spend a lot of time just sitting in that kitchen watching. And then every time we went to Sri Lanka, when I was a little kid, I would always buy these little clay pots. There was like one village we drove through that sold that was like famous for their clay pots. I would always buy a million clay pots and then try to cook curry over fire in these pots on her little front patio. My mom would, I think it was my mom who would help me sort of build a brick hearth and we'd make a fire. And then I would see if I could like cook doll in a pot outside <laughs> just to see if I could do it. And I have one picture from it where I'm sitting, I'm little and it's raining. So I'm holding an umbrella over my fire, stirring a little pot of doll <laughs> just to see if it could be done. So that I feel like that was formative because, you know, it doesn't take much to, to make a good meal. So it worked out when you did it, you felt like you were doing what you were watching happen in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I, I can only ma remember making dal or paripu. That's what we called it, which is just like onions and chilies and mustard seeds and lentils and curry leaves, like nothing simple, nothing complicated. But I just remember watching it transform, you know, through the, through the stages of, of raw ingredients and fire. And then looking at it be something that we can actually eat and just being like, ah, oh, this is, a cool process that I can, I can get a handle on. It sounds so empowering. Yeah. Even back home. I mean, I've told this story so many times. I really wanted an easy bake oven when I was little. because 
But I remember my mother basically said, like, you can make anything you want in the real oven. Why are we going to get an easy bake oven? Just start baking in the real oven. So I did from when I was really little. And I think those are kind of those are the kind of things that really helped me become a confident cook because it was just like, just get started. Just, you know, get the pot, get the fire, just get started. Just do it. Did you gravitate more to cooking or baking early on? Always baking. I mean, I've never not loved baking. I wanted to be a baker since I was a a little kid. I don't know. There's something It's about uh, the feeling of the materials, the feeling of dough, the feeling of butter and sugar, the sound of like chopping nuts. All those things are really, I I find them satisfying and always have. Wow. And then fast forward a few years, you've worked at so many magazines and in so many test kitchens, (laughs) written three cookbooks and food styled many more. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did it feel like a, a kind of straight path to that because you were always so interested in baking or like what kept your curiosity up along the way? And did you ever kind of take a break from food and, and think maybe I should try something else? I always wanted to be a baker just sort of as a, you know, my dream career if I could do anything that and like backup dancer for Jenna Jackson. But like they didn't seem like real <laughs> real goals. Uh, I worked for public television after graduating from college and I worked for a nonprofit. And then I actually went to the gourmet test kitchen because a friend of mine played on I think the softball team with um, Ian Knauer. Mm-hmm. And he was so gracious and kind. And he, I just wanted to see what he did. So he let me come in and gave me a tour and showed me what he does as a, as a food editor. And then it was then that I was like, oh my God, I can be a food editor. That seems like a way to translate this interest into something that I could manage. I don't know, for some reason, restaurants, restaurant chefing never, it never called to me the same way that like trying to make food or create food that people could make at home for themselves. It took a couple years after college to figure it out. But after meeting him and seeing what he does and knowing that that was, I didn't even know that was a job, you know? Mm -hmm. And then- I got an internship at the Severe Magazine Test Kitchen and then sort of went from there. It's been nice because I feel like I've always do a lot of different things, but all within the sort of same umbrella of food, media. And that's very satisfying to be able to bounce around and do a lot of things and work with a lot of different people and and create in a, in, in a lot of different ways. So I don't know. What's next? I don't know. <laughs> something fun. <laughs> Well, since you've had so many different experiences in all of these different places, cooking for shows, for cookbooks, for magazines, and I want to talk about one specific trick that you've picked up and and really like made your own and that we included in the Simply Genius Cookbook because it just was so revolutionary <laughs> and it's completely changed my family's life, um, which we'll get into. But before we dive into that, I just feel like you've had such, you've had so much experience cooking in all of these different scenarios and you must have seen so many tricks that just surprised you. And I was wondering if any specific ones come to mind that like the first time you saw them or discovered them yourself in one of these situations um, in your career if they, they just like immediately had to be folded into the way you do them going forward. <laughs> oh my God. I have so, I, there's a million I'd have to, I mean, I could sit and make a list, but like, you know, I've been so lucky to be able to watch people like Martha Stewart and Dory Greenspan and like really celebrated, amazing cooks do their craft in front of me. I've been able to be in the room with them. So 
like I remember Martha does this thing <laughs> where she folds instead of folding with a spatula, like if you're folding whipped cream into a batter or something like that, or egg whites into a batter, she uses a balloon whisk mm. or she uses the whisk from the stand mixer attachment mm. to fold in the whipped egg whites instead of using a spatula. And that I feel like has changed my life. Mm-hmm. Try it. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's an infinitely more effective way of folding in the, the egg whites without deflating everything else. Like a spatula, you have to do it about, you know, three times as many times. Yeah. I've definitely been there with folding something light into a heavy batter and starting off and thinking this is never going to combine and thinking, how am I going to keep this light mm-hmm. thing light at all as I'm trying <laughs> to work it in? And I know some recipes will say like, oh, mix in a third of it first or just a few spoonfuls or something. But I, it feels like you might not even really need to do that if you're doing the whisk, because I can see how that just it's sort of like four things, four spatulas folding at once almost. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, yeah, it's like multiple spatulas going at once. So every time you go through the mixture, you've you've done it times five. It's magical. Mm-hmm. It's like the best trick ever. I love that. I didn't come up with that, though. Oh, <laughs> I my just gosh. observed it. But that's I mean, that's what all of cooking is, right? Is just us observing other smart people cooking and picking up tricks and recipes and in videos. If you offer to help someone that you admire, you get a lot of secrets you get a lot of tricks and you learn a lot of things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you're willing to do, you know, to be sort of the lowest on the totem pole for a little while, you get to watch very valuable stuff. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that comes to mind like that? Oh yeah. This is going to be in my next book because it's one of my favorite tricks of all time, but to soften butter. I don't know who taught me this. I can't remember. I'm sure it was sometime when I was working in the test kitchen at Martha Um, to soften butter for like a cookie or something. If you take the sticks and stand them upright in the microwave, Mm. okay, so like on the short ends, and then you microwave them for like eight seconds, and then you flip them over so they're on the other side again, then do it another eight seconds. In about like 16 to 24 seconds, (laughs) your butter is like perfectly softened for for whatever cookies or whatever cake you want to be making. And it doesn't melt. For some reason, if you do it upright, it doesn't melt. It just profits. Maybe because it's not like not as much of it is in direct contact with the plate. I think it must be. Yeah. Cause if it falls over or something, it's going to melt. So you have to make sure they stay mm. upright and you can't do it with, you can't do it. There are some butter sticks that are wrapped in foil. So oh, obviously mm-hmm. you can't do it with those, <laughs> <laughs> but any paper butter, it really works well. It's really a magical trick. That's such a Try good it. tip. I've put um, sticks of butter like by the preheating stove so many times and then forgotten about them. And then like the bottom <laughs> half is a pool. And then they, yeah. oh, sadness. <laughs> I mean, I wonder, I bet if you did it standing up, they would work. Yeah. It would work with like a little bit of barrier, but it would just take forever. Yeah. But in the microwave and I find in my, my you got to have to feel at your own microwave because, you know, they're different. Some are more powerful than others, but I'm in my microwave. Eight seconds is the magic number for flipping. Hey, it's Kristen. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Samantha Senavaratna in just a moment. 
reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beat in cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beat in cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. And we're back with Samantha Senavaratna. And then this one um, that I think you told me you also picked up in a test kitchen at some point. Sure. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Which is so funny because it's like almost not even a trick. It doesn't feel that sneaky, but it's helpful. (laughs) Well, when you first told me about it, um, I think we were working on a genius shoot years and years ago now. Um, and you mentioned it as the way that you were making oatmeal like quicker and easier to clean up for your son. Mm-hmm. I do think it is revolutionary in a couple different ways, which we can get into. You know, there's a few recipes that you see, like a lot of people make from this book so far, and this is definitely among them. And it's always with parents. Really? Yeah. It's always parents. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes good sense. But I think it should be more than just parents <laughs> yeah. really. Who doesn't want to make their oatmeal faster? Yeah. So would you mind, um, I know we've kind of danced around what this trick actually is, but would you mind telling the story behind what you remember of how you kind of came up with this trick and how you started using it? You know, mostly it's just about nonstick, right? So you're using mm-hmm. a nonstick, a small nonstick skillet to make your oatmeal. I think there are a few things that are reasons that it's good. Number one, obviously cleanup is a lot faster because I don't know why, but for some reason, like an oatmeal, a pot of oatmeal is the most annoying thing to wash up after. Mm-hmm. But then there's also something about the increased surface area that sort of makes mm-hmm. it get really creamy in a nice way. And in the recipe that um, we included in the book, it's a little more, the ratio of, of water or milk to oats is a little bit higher. So I think that when it reduces, the water goes away and you just get even more of your like milky dairy deliciousness or, or, oat milky or whatever milk you decide to use, but it reduces in such a nice way so that you get such a creamy, creamy oatmeal, which is sort of my, I want my oatmeal to be like super soft and super creamy. Like almost you don't have to chew it. That's how I find it the most comforting (laughs) and the most delicious. And you can add things in like the cocoa. The cocoa is what my family's hooked on. I mean, we've, even when we've just made regular, like, you know, any kind of straightforward oatmeal without the cocoa, we do it in the nonstick skillet now since you've taught us, but we are just so hooked <laughs> on the cocoa version. Would you mind describing what's in it and how you make it? Uh-huh. It's your milk of choice, but it's a little bit more milk than, you know, the box recipe would tell you to use. Plus your oats, plus a little bit of unsweetened cocoa powder, four teaspoons. It's not a ton, but it's enough. And you cook that all together until it's basically like chocolate pudding with oats in it. And then you can finish it with a little bit of maple syrup and then almond butter is the recipe we did for the book. 
But we, I mean, I throw, I throw in peanut butter sometimes, bananas sometimes, sometimes coconut. If I have coconut, because I love chocolate, coconut, and banana together. So that's a good, I mean, I have made this oatmeal just as a dessert when I haven't like had ice cream in the house and just really needed something creamy and chocolatey. It, it serves the same purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why we like it so much. Like, I think if you had asked me if I wanted chocolate oatmeal, I might not have really known how much I wanted it because <laughs> I think it is really it's really balanced for breakfast and it can be as sweet as you want it to be since it's not even sweetened at all in the cooking. And then you just add a little bit, you know, whatever amount you want of the maple syrup on top. Um, it feels very, very breakfast appropriate to me. Yeah, totally. Right. Unsweetened. If we had swirled in like chocolate chips or something, that would have changed the whole vibe. But cocoa powder just gives you that like deep, rich cocoa flavor mm -hmm. without all the other things that come along with chocolate. Has anything changed about the way that you used to make it? Because I think when you first told me about this, Artie was probably about my daughter's age, which is three and a half. Like he was probably more of a toddler then. Yeah. Um, and, and how old is he now? Now he's five. Oh, so maybe he was even littler when you told me about it. He probably was like, uh, has anything changed? Yeah. Probably we get more creative with our mix-ins. Yeah. Now he's a little more adventurous. So if I have like sesame seeds left over, you know, sometimes I even fold in like if I have leftover. It's, I think we put that variation in the book too, right? Like if you have leftover quinoa or something, which sounds absurd, but just fold that into the mix. And it's like just like a hearty multigrain breakfast porridge. So now I think five years in, Artie's a little more trusting of me <laughs> <laughs> so I can like jazz up breakfast a little bit more, but I just throw in whatever, you know, whatever things we have left over that I can think of to make it more substantial. Cause he go, I mean, little kids, right. They're just moving constantly. I can't, it, I just, it's just about like calories in. I just feel like I need to mm -hmm. get food into him. So to sustain his frenetic pace, yeah. so nuts, you know, almonds, just mix in more and more stuff. Yeah. It feels like putting gas in a car except you have to do it way more often yeah, totally and like the gas and the car rejects the gas like 99 percent <laughs> of the time and you're just like you need this gas please <laughs> yeah that's exactly what happens does he make it with you now with mixing this stuff in or do you usually cook it for him he i make it myself basically i don't know about you but i love i love to cook with Artie, obviously but it's like a endeavor when we cook together it's not quick and it's mm -hmm. not clean <laughs> so mm -hmm. like I feel like breakfast is the last time of the day I'm ever going to ask him to if he wants to help me in the kitchen just mm -hmm. because there's too much to get done before we have to get out the door and especially in the winter I feel like getting coats and boots and all those things on takes so much more time so I feel like no <laughs> <laughs> but one day I hope to get him I mean because I think I mean he can make this himself within like a year, I think, as long as he can be careful with the fire. Mm -hmm. I think we maybe have the luxury, like, you know, preschool, I think, is a little more flexible. It starts a little later. We also don't have to put on coats and boots. And also, for me, <laughs> it's been easier than trying to keep track of where she is anyway. You know, like, she, if she climbs up mm -hmm. in her stand and measures it with me, then I know where she is. And so, and because this is only, like, three things to measure into the skillet, we usually just measure it on the counter and then I carry it over to the stove and it cooks so fast that then I don't have to worry about her getting too far away. Um, and sometimes she'll like, you know, stand up close to the stove and watch it bubble, but she's done it enough <laughs> times now. Like sometimes she 
she just goes <laughs> and plays. But I really think it taught her to measure. Aww. Yeah. She, you know, she likes to level off the oats with her hand and the, you know, we use a knife for the cocoa powder um, or, you know, just something with a flat edge for the cocoa powder. Mm-hmm. And she's super mm-hmm. like careful about that. And then when we do the milk, she's so, she's so careful about pouring it in and, and like to the point that I like, you know, we, it still makes a mess. Like we still, we still make a mess, <laughs> but that's fine. Um, um, especially because usually if we're making it together in the morning, it's probably on a weekend. Um, yeah. For, for weekdays, it's probably like we're, we're reheating what I've already made or maybe I just like bust it out as fast as I can. But I, she was measuring with my, um, she was making something with my aunt over Thanksgiving. And I remember like I pushed over the, the liquid measuring cup that was pretty full. And I think my aunt was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa like, be careful, be careful, be careful. And I was like, <laughs> it's okay. She's got it. Like she's, cool. and, and it's, it's totally your recipe. That's, that's taught her how oh. to do all those things. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. I probably should just give him a little more free reign because at this point he's watched me do things a million times. He's cooked with me a million times. I probably should just like loosen the reins a little and let him do it. And then he would, he would be like excited to eat more excited to eat it too. So a good lesson. <laughs> I think, I mean, we all get on autopilot. Yeah. To, well, I mean, it's easier to do everything yourself. Yeah. Like we don't have to think very much and, and like teach very much if, if we're just do, like letting our bodies doing do it. the work. Mm-hmm. I completely get it. I, when we're doing a new recipe, I know that we're taking on like dinner's probably going to be late if we're cooking a new recipe together <laughs> um, or like, you know, it might, like something might totally fall apart if we take on something big and new. I think it's because your recipe was so simple and such an everyday thing that it became okay and manageable for her to like learn how to do those things. So, I mean, I, I think this is revolutionary in so many different ways and that's why, like, I think so many parents have made it, but for us, it's like, it's the cleanup, it's the quickness, it's the creaminess, it's the, the flavor combination of the, the cocoa powder um, with the almond butter. And then it's also the everyday making it together kind of thing. I need to incorporate that into our life more, of making it together instead of my making it for Arthur. Thanks. <laughs> it's the recipe that keeps on giving. You've gathered all of these tips through all, through your career, and they show up in your own recipes now, as we've seen with this mm-hmm. recipe. Um, and now you're making recipes for your new show, Everyday Cooking on Magnolia Network. Could you just tell us a little more about the show and maybe some of the things you've cooked on it recently? Sure. Um, it's called Everyday Cooking. So all the recipes are supposed to be, you know, weeknight friendly for the most part. Um, I tried really hard, along with the culinary producer, Martha Tinkler, to come up with recipes and ideas that were sort of a little more exciting than the normal stuff that you would make on a weeknight. Like, I'm going to show you how to make paella on a weeknight you know, like a a pretty simple, basic paella, but still paella for a weeknight or what is another fun one? Oh, the upcoming episode. I'm so excited about a local chef who makes the most delicious rice balls, my favorite rice balls in the world. Chef Mika Hatsushima, she came on the show and taught me how to make rice balls, which is like, I feel like an exemplary, you know, it's a good example of what I want the show to be. I want it to be easy food, doable food, but also maybe something that you hadn't thought of or, you know, a new skill you can learn or something, you know, just something to make it a little bit more special because we all have our weeknight routine, right? Like I bet you have five recipes that you make in rotation regularly. At least I do. 
So I'm hoping to sort of just supplement those with something a little more exciting. Those types of recipes sound so perfect because I don't know. We, we always need <laughs> every day, <laughs> like things that are easy enough to cook, um, to fit into mm-hmm. our lives. But I love the extra angle of, um, having it be something kind of like celebratory or fun or learning something new because, um, it's easy to forget how to keep incorporating that into our everyday too. And also, I mean, I know for myself, cooking dinner is almost my least favorite cooking you know, that I have to do in my life just because it feels like a chore. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to clean up, you know, all the things that we all know. But if I can learn something, if I can find a way to be learning something at the same time, if I can, if I have the energy to do it, it makes it something, you know, it makes it something better. It makes it something special. It makes it something valuable uh, for myself and for Arthur. It's a lofty goal, but I mean, if you can do it and then and then try to find pleasure in the actual act of doing it, you know, like the act of being present for cooking the dinner and try to find some joy and pleasure in that, too, then then that's how I can make it tolerable for myself. So that's what I want to try to convey to people if possible. <laughs> but I get it. Not every night is a night where you have the energy for any of that. And that's fine, too. Well, it helps that it's um, coming from someone who understands that. And can like <laughs> find ways to bring joy into everyday cooking without adding a lot of extra time or dishes or work. That's the goal. Also to take the pressure off a little bit. I feel like I spend a lot of time telling everybody like, this is how you make this. But if it doesn't come out exactly like this, it's okay. You know, it's like we're so lucky. Food is, food is good. Add some salt. It's going to be fine. And yeah. <laughs> you get to eat it with people you love. And it doesn't matter that much, you know, like shouldn't be stressful. I know that it is. I know I understand that it is, but my goal is to try to make it less stressful and more joyful. That's working. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. We have enough things that are hard in life. You know, cooking should be the, let's, let's reclaim it and find some fun in it. It doesn't have to be the best way to do anything. It just has to get done. And then we just get to be with our beloveds and eat it. Thanks for listening, and my thanks to today's guest, Samantha Senevaratna, food stylist, star of Everyday Cooking on Magnolia Network, and author of three cookbooks so far, with another one on the way. And thank you also to Sam for sharing this life-changing trick with me for the Simply Genius Cookbook at that video shoot way back when. This week's episode was put together by me, Kristen McGlory, executive producer Harry Sultan, and with post-production by Crutch Phrase Studios. I would love to hear about your family's favorite breakfast at genius at food52.com or by tagging me on Instagram at McGlorious. And if you like the Genius Recipe Tapes podcast, the very best thing that you can do to support us and to help other people find our show is to take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and review. Or just send this episode to someone in your life who would benefit from both the shortcut and the joy of chocolate oatmeal as much as we have. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.